0: I had had enough.
1: Well, you drove out there into the middle of nowhere and had some sort of loud verbal display challenging E.T. in general
2: out oh, in the middle yeah. of nowhere? That's what
0: I was doing. I actually had a uh, pistol in my hand at the time.
3: Um, I was really ticked off. When I was having this fit, I had—I was waving the gun in the air,
0: okay, and I had this fit. And at this moment, I said, Okay. <laughs> He was a Louisiana man named Montaldo. Folks around called him Six Gun Joe. Worked with Icar, don't you know? Investigating have UFO. Out for a drive with a gal one night, they stopped to check out the reporting site. When an alien lit right there on the ground, and commenced to throw in his weight around. Now, old Six didn't take too kindly to that kind of thing, especially without Vaseline or anything, but, you know. Seriously, well, Six Gun looked that critter right in the eye and said, Any last wish before you die? You'll Reached for his gun quick as a twitch and said, Fill your club you son of a bitch. Now a legend spread across the land about this pistol waving man. But if you're from space or from Earth below, you don't give no lip to Six Gun Joe. <laughs> Looking for stories that are fresh and new? dark fantasy humor space exploration time travel cyberpunk alternate history and more they're in the l ron hubbard presents writers of the future anthology from 24 award-winning authors and illustrators plus art and writing tips and bonus stories l ron hubbard presents writers of the future buy your copy at galaxypress.com amazon or wherever books are sold
3: Looking for something new in dark fantasy, humor, space exploration, time travel, alternative history? They're in the L. Ron Hubbard Presents Writers of the Future Anthology. Get the 10-volume box set with 159 stories and full-color illustrations plus 34 articles with writings and art tips. Get the UPR and discount $125 for the entire box set. That's a $60 savings for that beautiful box set. L. Ron Hubbard presents Writers of the Future. Go to uprntalkradio.com, click on the
2: link, and place your order.
1: You're listening to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Welcome to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo
3: welcome everyone welcome to another episode of ufo on the cover hope everyone's having a great morning great afternoon great evening wherever you are in our big blue big big big, beautiful planet sorry got a little tongue twisted on that last one there and you'd think i'd have been saying this for 25 years i I wouldn't get tongue twisted but anyway welcome to the show um sean patrick is going to be with us tonight i think Uh, i know i had confirmed it with um carmen earlier today so uh, he'll probably come popping in in a little while. Uh, if not, I'll send him a um uh, I'll send him um invite again. So I guess I just got out the shower and this damn thing don't want to stick in. Him. So I hope everyone's been really you know, it's it's a crazy world right now. People are pissed about everything right now. We're in the holidays no less. And I see people are desperate to have a good holiday. Um uh, I find it interesting, but they really are desperate to have a good holiday. I mean anything they can. Uh, a friend of mine the other day said he can't believe I ain't got my Christmas lights up there. I got to go fix them, actually, most of them are up around the house right now. But, eh, you know, you, you know how it is. You got to you gotta get that festive, festive, festive that spirit going. But one second, I'm going to bring our guest in in just a second before I throw this earbud out the window and th- crash it up into something. <laughs> hey, Sean, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, uh, guys, Sean doing? Patrick Hasley. Well, I should give you at least a proper introduction. <laughs> <laughs> guys, he was just with us Saturday, so if you, I know, I know we got a much smaller audience on Saturday. But uh, Sean Patrick Asley, he's an author, one of the winners of Writers uh, of the Future. Actually, want won some other stuff, Guy Quite a few books out right now, which we'll we might talk a little bit about because it's going to be some of the topic matter we're going to be talking about later in the show. Sean, what the hell, man? What you been doing for like six months? I haven't seen you, man.
2: <laughs> All right, six days. There six months? It's been like a week.
3: <laughs> I, know, I was going to say six days, man. Oh shit! It's um, it's it's been crazy, but you know, uh, the show did good. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to send you. Uh, I think it was one hundred forty-eight thousand people tuned in. So,
2: oh wow. That's pretty good. We uh, can beat that tonight though. We oh yeah, hell yeah. Out. Um
3: well I was gonna say for a, a rookie show, uh you know, it's 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 second it's it's its second show. It's I'm actually surprised it did that much, I'm not gonna lie. I mean I was talking with John Goodwin about it the other day, actually and Carmen too. I was like, usually we start a new show. If it's not been advertised, you you're gonna see like five hundred people. And be happy that you got that five hundred people. Really? Uh, That's normal. Well, that's that is for a new for a brand new show with no advertisement not so much on this network because I don't know if we've actually got any spots that are only 500 but but usually you know I, I would say 500 to 25 and I always tell people the same thing when they're new on the network and they haven't done radio or and I'll say you know look don't unless it's a in other words so if you took somebody else's slot that's a different story so okay. that's what we did that's what we did this past Saturday we went in the gray zone slot Gray Zone usually does about three point four million listeners when it's airing, and what's funny about this show is it can be off for nine months, and we put one show up, it does three million listeners, and it'll do at least a million archives every time. It's mainly uh-huh. because it's Michelle and I doing the show, and both of us have our own following, so it, it makes it a little easier. But uh, but usually I tell you know people twenty five hundred three thousand. I said now now if you do it correctly. And they sent me a promo that went on to all the all the other shows ahead of time, and they maybe stopped by and visited some of the other shows just five or ten or fifteen minutes. Then that audience might be greatly improved uh, because mm-hmm. then people see. You can already tell, like this Saturday, the audience will be bigger because it will have had three three weeks of advertising on news on the flip side, so it'll be much bigger. We're going to be, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the author's quill. By the way, it's on <laughs> Saturday, three to five. We might as well plug it now since you know what the hell we're actually talking about. no know Sean was a guest, it was, it, we had a lot of fun. No, I had Sean zombied out, man. I put the zombie on. Ooh, the zombie, zombie. Whoever wrote me that, you know, that was kind of funny, but kind of stupid at the same time. <laughs> so, so, some girl wrote to me and said, "Joe, you put the hypnotic voice on him." He was like, <laughs> "I was like, no, he wasn't. the hypnotic voice. Don't I have a ask. hypnotic voice." Oh, no, don't ask. We're not. We're not even going to go with somebody's comments that no, come That could
2: be good or bad, man. That could that's, be good uh, or bad
3: yeah so mm-hmm. um i get i get in trouble sometimes when i use when I, i'll do radio sometimes and when i first started doing i use this monotone voice and it's just like whoa and it goes on and on and on and i can do it without even taking a break and um i'm telling you what you either leave or you like It's one of the odds. You're either zombied out listening or you leave. There's no in between on this. It's it's a really strange thing. Um, a psychologist friend told me, he said, he said, you know, you got a couple of voices I hear you use. He said, Why don't you use this one for radio? And I'm like, Really? And he's like, Yeah, he said, and you should use it for your customers. I said, Well, I'll use it for my customers, but because I've learned that non-offensive voices and tones. Relax, people, and you can get away with so much more. Yeah, I've said things in a nice monotone voice that if I said in a high pitch, I'd have people just writing to me. What the hell was that? I don't know, man. I don't know. But anyway, Sean. So what you been doing all week? Beating kids or something? Slapping an old lady around? Something fun like that? I bet she's a lady. Yeah, you know the usual, the, the usual.
2: The usual yeah. But
3: uh, see, I live in a state where that's allowed. You know that, right? Uh, on Sunday, you can oh, you take can't a do anything in my state if, if except it. submit.
2: That's about all you can yes. do. About well, that,
3: yeah, that's because you're you're out Halli- in in California. But uh, see, in Louisiana, you can you can get a four inch strap and beat your wife four times on on every Sunday. It's a blue law. It's actually still in the books. <laughs> that was the first time I read this. I'm like,
2: baby, <laughs> She's ah, baby, her ass. Is that is that still like the? Because it's Louisiana, right? It's French. Yeah, so it's it's Louisiana. Like Napoleon it's Napoleonic
3: it's, code. It's Nicole, We call it blue laws, but yeah, it's no, it's, it's what it is. It's a Napoleonic law. It's not the only one either. There's a bunch of stupid ones. Yeah. Uh, that they left on the books for some reason. I have no idea why they left them there. And there's like no, of course, nobody's beating their wife on Sunday, but still there's no real push to get them taken off the thing. Uh, So people just leave them there. And there's a lot of goofy, just goofy laws. Uh, I remember one time the guy said, you know, it's against the law to buy liquor in the French court on Sundays. I'm like, really? Because it's been like that for 300 years. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) this is a law that doesn't get enforced. But in Mississippi, it's different. Um, There are places in this state. On Sunday there is no liquor sales, Mm -mm 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 -mm. and until the casinos came, it was much stricter than it is now. See, because casinos, you can drink whatever you want, twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. It's it's they don't they don't care, and it's free, which is even even better. But um, yeah,
2: because you're gonna make you know smarter smarter gambling decisions the the more inebriated you are, right? I hate to say (laughs) this. Much
3: luckier when I'm I am loaded, because you know now I don't really gamble that much because I've got other things. We like to go and have dinner and stuff. They got really good food at the casino. It's got really good entertainment too. But ever since Katrina, them bitches don't pay anymore. Before Katrina, my wife was up easy, almost a hundred grand, and it took me it took me ten years to get into a casino. I made her go eat at the uh, it's called Bananas Buffet. I said, Let's go to buffet, babe. You don't, you don't like the buffet she got in there, really liked the buffet. So we're walking out and I was dropping a couple of coins, you know, like 75 cents, whatever the max was going out the door. And I wasn't hitting Mm -hmm. it. She said, well, just give me, let me try. And she put in, bam, (laughs) $7,500. Just bam. (laughs) So she says, she said, all right, we can go try one more time. She walks in casino. We ain't in 15 minutes. Bam. She wins a car. I'm like, you can shit me woman. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, she would have her bad spots, but she was always, um, she was just, she was just lucky. I don't even know how to say. I mean, if, if there's really luck there, she's one of them. But after Katrina, it seems like everything got a much tighter. It's a lot harder. You don't see near as many winners.
2: Yeah, it's lower the odds. It's just math. Yes,
3: yes, it is. And and they did mainly because you know they all lost a lot of money. Uh, you know, for the storms, they were down for even with insurance, they still lost money. And then they also had established themselves, so you know they said, "Oh, we got these people hooked. They're going to come back anyway." Little do they know, not all of us come back, but, but they do have good food and they do, you know, aliens like to visit from time to time. So that's why we're talking about the subject guys, because y'all didn't know aliens visit casinos didn't, I bet y'all didn't know that. So the guy called Charles Hall, um, you can go look his books up. He's got three of them, hospitality books. Uh, I forgot the the names of them. It's been a while since I've talked to him, but you go look him up. So they're called tall whites and. So he's telling me this story. Very first time. You're going to love this, Sean. So you might write a book about this. So he's telling me about this story. He goes, Joe, you know, um, I was stationed out at Area 53, and we're not going to get into all the detail, but he was stationed. He was a a weatherman is what he was. Uh, So he's out there doing his his meteorology stuff every day, la, la, la. And one day he's out there, and these children approached him. Well, not 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 a, not a human children but you know and the parents are from what i understand are very protective which i mean you know they're on earth they're on a foreign planet with a bunch of crazy ass people running around so they're very protective of them so but they're there a lot so they started getting bored and they asked charles if there was entertainment nearby and of course they told him, well that they, they got to the casinos so apparently the Secret Service came in, dressed them all up, put hats on him and glasses and all sorts of other clothes, chauffeured him up in a limousine, walked him in in these long black coats and let him gamble on several occasions. Well, <laughs> the first time I heard this story, I'm like, this is so full of shit. But, you know, the guy, you know, from doing voice dress analysis and, and body language, facial recognition, he believed everything he was telling me. Mm-hmm. So I, I was kind of fascinating that he he. I was like, "What made him make this fantasy?" So I was talking to his wife one afternoon when she called to book him another time. And her and I got to talk. She said, "I don't, I don't think." She said, "I thought the same thing, Joshi, But I'm wondering now. So I'm, I'm reading through book two, and he's getting more in detail. And out of the blue, a taxi cab driver calls me with his friend, who actually chauffeured these guys around in, a, in one of these big uh, limos uh, from casino to casino. And I'm like, "Well, isn't that's kind of you know strange?" Uh, got two witnesses, but still they're taxi drivers and they might just be looking for the fame, you know, calling to a radio show, get on there, have some fun. Um, but anyway, so I get him on, we're talking while we're talking. And this is when I used to host wake up USA UFO study on, on a different network. It was 1690, 16, 1690 Riverside, Iowa, where Captain Kirk was born. That's how I can remember. And, uh, but anyway, this guy calls in while we're on the show and he, he's a state trooper. Him, him and him and two other troopers were willing to give testimony that they had seen these things in these two casinos while they were there working on patrol. I was like, okay. All together, to make a long story short, we got about fourteen witnesses now uh, that work mm-hmm. in Las Vegas who have said they have seen these from time to time. Now, Sean, does that make them real, hmm. or does that just make the, they're blowing some stuff in the casino air conditioners? <laughs> I'm not. I, I, I don't want to say they're not real because, you know, but it, it just, it just seems such like a crazy ass story. Yeah. You know? I'm,
2: I'm a I, little familiar with the Charles Hall story and the story. And you can correct me because you you, you know, interviewed ahead, me directly, but yeah, my understanding is the air force chain of command basically said, Hey, you're going to be this weather you're going to be at this weather station alone. And by mm-hmm. the way, you're going to see these aliens. They have a base here. You can tell anybody you want about them. Just, you know, don't, you know, just make sure that you stay away from the children because they'll kill you. Yeah, they'll kill you because uh, <laughs> they're very protective of the children. And uh, that's about it. Good luck. And it just doesn't make Every military organization I've ever been associated with does not operate that way, at and,
3: all. and it gets it gets worse because according, uh to them and two Air Force liaisons said that they had come to Charles and said you are now going to be their official liaison between the aliens and the Air Force. Now, now this guy was in Vietnam, you know, and I, and I and he's a nice guy. I mean, he really, really is a nice yeah. guy. But there's something with this story that just I don't know what from day one there was something about it that just didn't click. I, I, I don't, you know, I've investigated a lot of stories. Now. I mean, the organization's got over a hundred thousand cases on file. So, but this, it was something about this. I kept going, what is it, Joe? There's just, there's just something, is this a planted memory? Is this something they were using? Was this something the military decided they were going to try in this particular guy? I mean, he's out, after all, he's out in the middle of the desert by himself. So if you want to try some kind of drug or a sound wave or some other, other, yeah, MK Ultra. Like, yeah, I like mean, when was he's he
2: there. there? Was he in like the sixties? Uh,
3: I don't. I, I'd have to go look for sure, but I am thinking like late sixties, early seventies. He was there for a little while. Uh,
2: yeah, I think MK Ultra, like those experiments, were from started in nineteen fifty three, and I think they kept kept it up until around the Church Commission in seventy five. So they, it's it's possible.
3: Yeah, well, you know it now is, look, but then but then we got the witnesses. So, well, the, so some of the witnesses you can just push away. Okay. Like the taxi cab drivers. And even, there was even a couple of dealers and a, um, a craps dealer had said they had seen them. So, okay. Even though they're nice people and I'm going to push them to the side and say, okay, you're just everyday people. And maybe you're not the best witnesses, but three state troopers and now a fourth has actually come forward. That's different. These guys pay attention to detail. They know what they're looking at. And you know, when they seen something out of sort, they were checking it out. And two of them said, they were checking out so bad that they went to walk up. And of course the escort said, excuse me and pushed them away. And the guy said, I can't tell you if it was CIA home. He said, well, Homeland didn't exist back then. So it was some assorted alphabet organization. that said, step back. Okay. So now I've got that, but it still
2: doesn't convince me. And, and I don't yeah. know why
3: it's just something Go ahead.
2: I'm not saying it's, it didn't happen. Right. I'm just saying that of all the accounts that I've heard, this one seems to have lower credibility. Like number one, have you ever heard of these tall whites anywhere else? No, just right. Just, it's either just grays him. or something else, right? It's it's just it's him. A,
3: just it's a we it's a what we call an outcast alien set that there's just not enough. It, and I don't want to say they don't exist because I mean it, we we are on a on the third arm in a galaxy now. We're way on a, on the edge. Right. Good place if you jump into another galaxy to jump from. Lots of resources. So I'm not going to say it, it, it's not true, but there's something about this whole story. And then, you know, there was interaction. And ladies and gentlemen, we're kind of sh- cutting it short, but I mean, there was interaction with the kids. There was interaction. And he used to go in the cave and hang out with them. Uh, he'd go places with them. Uh, they, these, these, these aliens, and don't take it wrong, but they sounded a lot like us. Uh, in a lot of ways, they seemed like they had a lot of the same bad habits that humans had. Um, which is not giving me hope for the universe if it's true. <laughs> only they were a lot smarter. They were only a yeah. lot smarter, right? Well, yeah, a lot, lot more advanced. Uh, Denise, no, they were exchanging the technology for protection on our planet. And from what I understand, and I don't, don't take me to the bank on this. There was a ship that came and went every so often. Uh, Charles witnessed one or two leaving, but there were some other people that came forward. There are some people in the Air Force that, that have actually came forward. But The problem is when I had them checked out, they didn't turn out to be who they said they were. So so y'all know people. I've been doing this a long time. I got a lot of friends in the military. I, I know people. You'd be amazed some of the people I know, not just in the military, in the government, even in places that I should know people. It's just when I ask sometimes, a t- t- perfect example is um, Bob Ozark. So when I had Bob Lazar checked out, I had a friend of mine worked at, at uh, Los Alamos, so she had access to all the security and all the computers for all four of the major places, and which two of them I can't mention because I'll get arrested. But um, anyway, she ran him, and he did come up in the computer, but it brought him up as a as a um a janitor at Los Alamos Labs, uh, and that's where they had him stationed. And then it says in the thing, transfer due to someone dying, Area Fifty One. He was transferred. Now, if you check out his school records, he doesn't have any degrees anywhere. So is the government being that clean and keeping him like that? Or is he just outright lying to us? I got to be honest with you, though. I don't think he's lied about the ship, whether he's a scientist or the janitor. I do believe he saw what he saw. Uh, it's just proven who he actually is, is what it comes down to. It's one of them things. So, When you get into this stuff, it just gets weird.
2: And the deeper you dig on it, the the bigger the dispersion and potential outcomes. Are you familiar with the Chris Bledsoe case?
3: It sounds familiar for some reason, but right now i got so many freaking cases in my head. Wait, why, do sound, why does that sound familiar? Go ahead and tell me about it. will probably come to my head when you say something.
2: All right, so there's a guy in North Carolina. He's in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, back in, I don't know how far, how, how far back it was, but he started having these encounters with red orbs, uh, craft, what kind of lights in the sky? I don't know if they were craft or, or orbs. And he started, you know, seeing this entity that he called the Lady. Right. So if you've you're familiar with like Marian apparitions in Fatima yeah. and Bay and, and yeah, Lourdes. This kind way. of yeah, very similar, very similar to that. I'm not saying it's a Marian apparition, but apparition, but it's very similar to that. And then he's at he's at some library and he's giving like a a speech about an abduction experiment or or he's he's kind of relaying an account about one of his abduction experiences. And all of a sudden I think the crowd starts like heckling him, making fun of him, you know, calling him demonic stuff, you know, stuff like that.
3: Right. Ignoring shit. All of a sudden
2: he says there's going to be an earthquake on September 26, 2012 or something like that in Baja California and sure enough there was and that got the government's attention so soon there were members of NASA there's this guy Hal Pavenmeyer, something like that he's since deceased showed up to his house actually I think that the intelligence community got wind of this through MUFON because he the mutual UFO network because he he reported his sighting and they tried to debunk him, they tried to discredit him on the Discovery Channel. Like they were going to go film his experience. And suddenly the FBI showed up and they put him through this grueling um polygraph test where I think he answered, I think it was like 40 questions. He answered like 39, according to the uh stenographer or whoever the you know polygraph the polygrapher correctly. And then one was kind of in dispute. Yeah, but, one, yeah, but one, one's not bad. I mean, you're going to get some of that bounce out. Of course, of course. So then this guy from NASA showed up, spent years trying to debunk the case. And then suddenly they realized that they're, you know, he's getting visions, he's getting predictions of the future, all sorts of crazy stuff. So the DIA shows up, CIA shows up, and they kind of develop a relationship with this guy. And, you know, to this day, they're they're there studying the phenomenon. But what he can do is he can, there are orbs that show up around his house, and he is activated every time they show up. He just knows that they're going to come. And he'll go outside, and anybody who goes down and visits him will see this stuff. But he's had all sorts of, uh, you know, visions. He, he sees this entity called the lady, showed up as kind of a bull, um, and you know he, he had crohn's disease that was healed people go to his house his dog got cut up pretty bad and he you know kind of laid hands on the on the dog healed the dog was healed there was a a child that was dying um one of the, you know one of his friends so they brought him up and he saved the child so there's there's something going on here he doesn't necessarily know if they're extraterrestrial um if there's some form of angelic being or they're just some other entity that we don't quite understand i mean i would probably put it in that sort of category
3: so early on and and this used to weird us out a lot so we we would be doing research and a lot of times we would it would come out to be that people's what we we would refer to as spirit gods were extraterrestrials And they weren't extraterrestrials in the fact that what you saw was an extraterrestrial, what you saw was your dragon or your Indian or whatever the hell that may have been your total, but it was actually an extraterrestrial. Come to find out this seems to go way to hell back. And I'm talking, I'm talking Mm -hmm. way back. We're, We're talking thousands of years, uh, probably way more than that. So it just seems to be something they use to help us along, move us along. And because, um, people who are gifted my i hate using that word but people who have gifts you know whether it's telepathic or empathic or other other abilities uh they tend to zoom in on this to be honest with you if you don't come from a family with gifts et's not even worried about you they're not even interested they're like they're like whatever you're one of the failures so what move on um (laughs) it's true though it's how they, they look at it it's not that they hate us or anything they're just we're that particular sect of our planet which is about Six and a half billion people are just not going to go tramping into the future. and Neither are their ancestors. Slowly but surely, uh, they'll be they'll be stamped out. And I don't mean by killing them. And they may one day come down to it because of the Holocaust dream. But right now, they're just simply making sure that this wife and or this guy and that woman get together, and they just keep breeding, 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 breeding. And um, if you've ever seen um, Steven Spielberg did um, what was that movie? It was a ten part series, um, Taken. Some of the stuff in Taken is very accurate. Some of it's completely bullshit, but some of it is quite like the way the grays moved. There's, there was a lot of stuff. Somebody in there had actually had had must have been taken it once in their life, uh, and really realized it, uh, so they incorporated it into the movie, which was nice. Or they simply just did their research, which is quite possible. It was Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. we're talking about. So um, those kind of things you find in there, and and and, but it, it really is about people's gifts. So whenever they started these abductions, whenever, you know, some people say 6,000, some people say 60,000, some people say 2 million. Well, we can argue about how long man's been on, on the planet. Most people give us 200,000 years. We know that Crow, uh, Neanderthal was at least 2 million. Uh, so so we, we can give ourselves 2 million years. So they've probably been here that entire time. And what's really weird to me about this is the gray that picked up your great grandfather 10 times removed is the same gray that's picking you up today. Uh, To them, this is just a little short hop. I mean, they have a massive lifespan. So this is just like a little short hop and it gives them a unique understanding. So if reincarnation is real, then they're watching you reincarnate. They probably are familiar with your soul and watching reincarnate. If it's not real and they're just simply following the family lines, they know stuff about your family that your family has forgotten thousands, hundreds of years ago. Uh, they just, you know, and I guess from time to time they'll just give a person, throw a person a bone, I guess you could say, because every now and then one of these contactees will come up with all this information out of nowhere. It's a download. We call mm-hmm. them downloads, but, uh, they'll just have tons of this information and it's all accurate. It's just, it was all stuff that had been forgotten or pushed to the wayside. Hey, Anthony, how you doing? Um, and you, and you, why they do this is, is. Anybody's best guess. We talk about a lot of different alien agendas that seem to be floating around, but they do really seem to concentrate on people who are, are well, telepathic or empathic. We, matter of fact, the, the organization I'm with, I'm with ICOR, does not even consider you to be a real contactee or an abductee if you're not empathic. You have to be at least empathic. And you have to pass a test, pass, test by the way, guys. Same thing if you're telepathic, we actually have a test. Uh, we actually test you to see if you are actually tele- have telepathy. Uh, I remember the first time we ever used this test it, was a, it started out real simple And this girl was getting the card test right Every time, I'm like, what the hell And uh, so we, we made it five cards She kept getting it right every time So a guy said, let's do some paragraphs She was reading the paragraph word for word And it was four or five of us there It was just freaky weird um, Best telepath I've ever met And she still doesn't work for the government, by the way Which amazes me How they, how Why they haven't picked her up and so, put her ass to work. She's a doctor, so maybe that's why. I and mean, she might be missed. But um, Is still, she a U.S. citizen? <laughs> she's a US, But, you know, originally she wasn't. Originally she came from Africa. Yeah. Uh, and her family moved go. from Africa to England. And then they moved from England to the United States. And then she went to school in New York, um, got, her, got her nursing degree, couldn't get a job because she didn't have any experience, finally got some job out in Philly, got some experience, said, screw this, went back to school. Became a nurse practitioner. Said, screw this. Went back to school. Became a doctor. Went back to school. Got her PhD. Um, and it's easy for her. That's the weird part. I mean, it's just... Phew. And she's... Even today, she'll call me and said stop. Why, why even have a conversation with Jerry Norton? What I'm going to say. And, and she will. She'll be... Psh, 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 psh. You're just going to say it. I'm like, Shut up. Stop. I'd like to be involved in this conversation. Um, she's really <laughs> gifted. And she's a good friend, too. But it's, it's just... We find these people from time to time. I remember when uh, the US, um, when the government decided to drop the remote viewing program and go with a, a telepathic program. They, so the government dropped it completely. The Pentagon got out of it, and the uh, White House got out of it. And then the Navy and Air Force came in and took over the telepathic programs. They officially started seeking telepaths in 2000. Uh, last time I talked with Carly, she said there was about four of them working, 400 working for the Navy and about 250 working for the Air Force. And she said only about half of them are from the U.S. Uh, the other ones who have been recruited from other countries, other allied countries, I would imagine, but still other countries. And it's, it's weird. It's just weird. And she said they do, she said they do a lot of covert work, guys. I can only imagine just looking at, I'm just wondering the other side of if Putin's got a, a telepath blocking people from getting in his head.
2: Oh, they definitely have some. I mean, that's why we started the remote viewing program in the first place. because um, The Russians were working on all sorts of stuff. You know, they're looking at telekinesis, telepathy, remote viewing, all that stuff.
3: I win this bet all the time with my friends about telekinesis and they get so mad at me. It's um, so telekinesis is really the one we want. Telepathy is great. And it's, and, If telepathy finally crosses the whole planet, it will make us a more honest planet because eventually everybody will read everybody's brains or at least learn how to keep from doing it. But um, telekinesis is weird. So I have seen one or two demonstrations over the years that I would consider to be true telekinesis. But for some reason, it doesn't seem like something that's really manifested in our population yet. And the way you know is, is Putin is still alive. Xi Jinping is still alive. Donald Trump is still alive. Hillary Clinton is still alive. Uh, if anybody, if any, if there was any, I'm telling you guys, if there was any telekinesis in this in this country, we'd have already used it. We'd have killed Putin. We'd have gave him an aneurysm in his brain. Oops. Xi Jinping would have had a heart attack. Kim Jong-un, he'd have just died out of no god for whatever reason. His poop's heart would have exploded or something. Um, and these are all natural causes. You can't prove that these were done any other way. So we haven't quite reached it yet. I'm, I'm figuring... A hundred to five hundred—it depends. Well, as we move on to the moon and Mars, it may it may achieve faster. Um, yeah, y'all didn't hear NASA putting internet on the moon. Y'all didn't know that, Who, Bill? You didn't know that? Yeah, man, NASA's putting internet on the moon, and Elon's going to be sending Starlink to Mars so he can put a Starlink net around Mars. So when they get there, they can communicate anywhere they're on a the planet. The man is brilliant. He's insane, and he's brilliant. He's he's insane, but he's brilliant. So. <laughs>
2: Well, what do you think, uh, Joe, what do you think about the UAP Amendment, the Schumer-Rounds Amendment? I don't know. I mean, so much of this stuff is just so much of this
3: feels like um, I don't know how to say it. It just it just feels like appeasement. It doesn't feel like anything real is going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, when you listen to Krush or Krush, whatever his freaking name was Krush, Krush. Um, there's no doubt the boy's a plan. There's no doubt he's lying. Why he hasn't been polygraphed is beyond me. Um, see, what was the first thing. I When I talked to him originally about testimony, I said, well, I want to be polygraphed the entire time. I don't want to be any questions about was Joe telling the truth and not telling the truth. That should be standard on these. All four of the pilots offered to be tele, um, to be tele, um, polygraphed. And two of them actually ended up being polygraphed. Of course, they were telling the truth. So this is serious stuff we're talking about here. You can't have people going around. So Greer has got a bad habit of when he comes up with a theory and nobody's picking it up, he tries to force it on us. He's had a lot of theories over the years, just most of them just turned out not to be real. Now, he's he's saying dimensional. And then, of course, this, this guy's saying that, which still cracks me up. When I heard him say this, I'm sitting there going, wait, did you just say that the aliens are coming through the portal and falling out and dying and you're they're crashing and you're getting their ships and their people? And they just keep doing this over and over and over. I'm like, what kind of stupid aliens are these? I, I, the aliens I'm familiar with, th- what they do on our planet, they don't seem to be that stupid. Plus, they've been here for so long. Do you know how many crash UFOs we're talking about here? Thousands. So I, I, I'm just I'm just floored that they even said that. And then there's this thing about keeping grays, especially. The reptilians, I and mean, the reptilians ain't going to let you do it either. The reptilians come to get their people. The Greys are coming to get their people. Unless the Grey wants you to have that bean or that craft, they're coming to get it. And there ain't a damn thing we've already learned after they shut our nuclear program down. They ain't a damn thing we can do about it. Shit, just recently, what was it, about six months ago, they shut down a Russian... So there was an American sub and a Russian sub playing tag out in the Pacific, you know, Wolfpack. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Wolfpack's just tracking and playing. They're just playing with each other like they always do. Both subs give the exact thing. They seen an underwater UFO, or it was moving fast. Uh, both of them thought it was the other guy's weapons. It came screaming by. Of course, both subs went on tactical alert and started loading their tubes. Well, uh, the Russians were ordered to fire. Nothing happened. Of course, nothing launched anywhere, and then it just everything just went off. But yet still, neither sub sank. All power was off. No way to keep the bilge pumps running. No way to keep ballast running. No way to keep the sub stable. But yet, it just stopped where it was at. It didn't move. It was just like it was being held in stasis. Both captains gave identical statements to this. They were both quite freaked out about it. The only reason we heard about it is because the U.S. sub commander, not the not the captain, but the commander, was actually asked to testify in front of Congress, and he did a well. He testified in the uh, the boat or whatever the hell they call it uh, skiff. The skiff, yeah. <laughs> I always call it the canoe. <laughs>
1: I'm
3: sorry. The, skipper, the, 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 skipper, the yeah. skipper of the boat. So, so he, had to, he, had to, he had to testify there. But so there's these things that we we just and you know when you and then of course when you listen to the guy that Greer brought in the guy now remember people you got to remember this witness we're talking about has never seen a UFO. He's never seen an alien. He's never been in contact with any of these. But yet because he's a spy, he knows all this information. Rule number one about spies, you never trust a spy. (laughs) You just never trust them. If your life depends on you, you're in shit and trouble. Um, Rule number two, Dr. Greer was involved. Now, you know, I hate hating on Greer because when he first came out, I thought he was a chit. But the more I found out about him, the more I investigated, the more I realized this this guy was in this for entirely different reasons than I thought he was in it for. I mean, when when he he asked me if I wanted to go on the spiritual retreat, I was in – DC at the time I was speaking at one of the, uh, the X conference actually X conference nine. He said, you should come with us, George only $12,000 ahead. I was <laughs> like, what for what? He said, well, you'll have a spiritual uh, enlightenment with an alien. I said, I don't need $12,000 to have an enlightenment with an alien. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dr. Greer. And then a couple of uh, um, hosts I know called, asked him to be on different radio shows, decent sized radio shows. Minimum fee was five grand. Um, so and this just just, to interview, on, just to interview him, just interview him. Just just went on and on and on and on. So I, I just got to the point where I was like, so, I, well, you know, he was a, a, a doctor at the. Well, he was what one of the doctors at the ER in the New York Hospital. So, I guess he was used to making X amount of money. And ufology is not the best field for making for money. And there's some people that can make it, but not many of them can actually do it. But he can. He actually makes a pretty good living. He's probably taking in about 150000 dollars a year in, in this field. And you got to ask yourself how and why. He he speaks all over the place. He travels all over and he speaks most of the time. He's talking about interdimensional aliens and spiritual stuff, and which is fine. I mean, I don't really care. But you're not getting to what's going on on our country. You're not, you're not getting to who's here. Why the Mayans, Estes, and Incans, uh, you know, revered the reptilians and hated the humans. Uh, none of that's coming out. Why, the, why the, the Dogon talked about the reptilians going to Samaria and raping and stealing their women, and the Sumerians talked about it too. And all of this is stuff is, is stuff that has to be achieved because the Sumerians say that they created the subspecies, not not us, but the species right before us. They were a slave race. That's why they called the seven creations of man and, and the last species looked just like us, well almost just like us. But they were subservient. They didn't care, they didn't have a reptilian section in their brain, and they didn't care uh about anything in life. They just did what they were told, and they procreated and they ate and they got up every morning and went and plowed the fields without any question. And if for some reason the reptilians decided, well, the, the dogon talk about them in great detail, Samarians do too. They used to go steal the women, rape them, bring them back pregnant, just like a damn reptilian. And uh, they would have children, and those children turned out to be different. And, uh, and they turned out to be different in a way that eventually there was a rebellion in, and Samaria fell. And we all know Samaria fell, so there's no doubt that. And we all know we have a reptilian section in our brain. So these are stories given to us prior to no one even knowing that you could have a reptilian section in your brain. They all knew a lot of things that, about our bodies that they shouldn't have known. Blood circulation, how it worked. They even knew the timing of it. They actually knew the weight and mass of uh, Sirius A. In case y'all know, Sirius A is huge. Uh, 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 a great, uh, just a spoonful would drop right through the core of our planet. It would go all the way through the core and out the other side. That's how it, it dense Sirius A. How can they know? They couldn't even know what Sirius A is. You can't see with the naked eye. None of those stars you can see with the naked eye. And they knew all three are in there. A, B, and C. And they knew the orbit. Their calendar is based on a 55.5-year orbit of Sirius A, Sirius B around Sirius A. <laughs>
2: the
3: only way you can see it is with a radio telescope. And I think the Dogon don't have one of those. I still, Even today, I don't think they have one of those. It's just, guys, I mean, as you go through these stories and you go through our past, and that's why I always tell people, if you want to get into this field, start in the past and work yourself forward, because there are just things that can't be explained. doesn't mean it's alien, just things you can't explain. I'm gonna I'm build a time machine. I'm gonna send Sean back to six thousand, yeah, six thousand years ago. Well, that would be four thousand AD, right? Yeah, four thousand because you go backwards BC, you go yeah. that way. Yeah, 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 BC, right? Because AD is this one. Yeah. So, well, no, you go back. So you count forward in AD and you count backwards in BC. I, I didn't make the rules, people. Okay, I, I'm just here like the rest of you. Somebody decided we're gonna count down or up, going backwards the other way. Well, there's a lot of history here. It's lot more than y'all think. Um we're gonna and then after we set, get him back there. Huh? What do you mean you're gonna send him cave wives? I don't even think I don't even think it's six thousand years towards cave people. I think it goes farther back than that. Cave wife. You know he's got a wife, right? She might want to have to manage these cave wives. Let's get this shit straight now. Uh what's that, Bobby? What you got for us? Um uh, we can both answer that. I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily know what he's going to say, but he wants to know who you think the most, the most important person was, in uh, the UFO fields to, to to get us to where we are today. That's like a hard question. There's a lot of good people you could say.
2: That is a hard question. because mm. yeah, it, it could also be, who's the person who. Had the most credible sighting, which is different than mm. the most important person in the UFO field. That's much different. Yes. That, that's a much yeah. different thing. I mean, I would think one of the more credible, and this is not the most important person, but one of the most credible UFO accounts is Robert Salas at Malmstrom. Yeah. I remember that one where, where they shut off his Minuteman nuclear missiles, right? 10 of them remotely. Yes. Like, that's that's some serious stuff. And they covered that up. So they covered that up pretty, well, pretty fast.
3: Now we found that there were four, five, six U.S. bases that had been shut down all at the same time. And I forgot how many they said in Russia, but it was either equal or a couple of more in Russia, but they did it on both countries at the exact same time. Well, we didn't find out about Russia for decades because Russia wasn't going to tell anybody. It wasn't until the wall fell and all kind of other stuff went on. Finally, the story got out, but, um, Guys, think about this. A UFO comes over, she parks, and all of a sudden nothing works. And you're just – now you're sitting on, on you know, several tons of TNT for the for a lack of a better way of saying it, and it's not even going to start. Um, that's serious technology. Think about it. You, they Not only did they cancel out the nuke, but they cancel out everything else around it. So, well, even if you could have got it to fire, the nuke still wouldn't have went off. Now I forgot what the guys said about the nuke, uh, something. They actually – Even after systems came back on, there's a little. um, I guess it's like a trigger. It's about this big that had to be replaced in all the nukes. They they wouldn't even if you even if they would have launched, they still wouldn't have detonated. I guess they burnt it out. Yeah, there was. was I don't know. Yeah, it was part of
2: the inertial. I think it was the like part of the inertial guidance logic system, right? That they disabled. So like they didn't destroy the missiles at all. Like the missiles. Were for lack of a better word, undamaged, but they did something that like messed with that circuit, the logic circuits.
3: I, I actually, so they, they could still,
2: they, yeah.
3: Well, they could still launch. No, could, Jack, they don't. Yeah, um, our yeah. missiles. Are EMP they just proof. couldn't
2: control where they went, right?
3: <laughs> no, they couldn't. No, no, really, our, our our missiles are EMP proof. Yeah, they're not gonna. You're not gonna. They're not gonna die if an EMP goes off by them now, because mainly they create a EMP. But anyway. <laughs>
2: And they were they were like triple redundancy why like mm-hmm. connected via wire sixty feet underground, and whatever these things did, they were still able to, because I think Boeing did a bunch of bench tests to try to replicate the condition, and the only way they were able to do it was with some sort of, uh, in, you know, impulse from into a into the circuit that would from inside set, to- like. Yeah, inside, but again, they couldn't do it remotely. Sixty feet, up, you know, below beneath the surface.
3: Yeah, the um, the the Pentagon's uh, conclusion was that the only way this could have happened was if someone was a traitor. But of course, you know what these guys go through, and girls, sorry, girls, uh, to be a missile commander. So it's highly unlikely they're gonna break down i mean they're they're really they go through a lot of guys I don't even can' even tell you the shit they put these people through before they stick them on the ground for 30 60 and 90 days at a time they used to do six months but they don't do that anymore now they said it's too long to have people on the ground so um well they can't do it too often because they don't want to be changing too many people that's a risky business uh, when well, no, you can't you can't find a nuke by yourself it takes two people but still Yep. No, it's, it's far enough it to apart take that to you can't yeah, you wanted to take two yeah. people somebody go crazy. No, you can't reach so they usually keep them far enough apart that you can't reach both keys at the same time. And you gotta turn them at the same time. So no. Uh, it doesn't work like that. You mean why I have no idea why no one's going crazy and launch next thing.
1: Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert, Dr. Heath Avey. Season one relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com.
3: Mysterious ah, they have it there?
2: Well, they also in... The in the Ukraine and you know the Soviet Union in 19, October 1982, they did the same thing. Only they turned the missiles on.
3: Yeah, I've heard that one too. They uh, when there's a lot of stuff goes on out there that you don't unless you're really paying attention, to people you're not going to hear about it. The government keeps a lot of stuff on, on the down low or the QT because uh, certain things make people nervous. Aliens don't make people nervous. We've been being de- desensitized for almost 60 years now. They, aliens don't really make people nervous, but rogue nuclear weapons do. <laughs> you know. Or crazy humans actually make people nervous. Uh, yeah, so an alien can come here, take you, take your family, shut off your nuclear silo, go do whatever it's going to do, and the country doesn't panic. One crazy man would go and try to launch a nuke would freak everybody out. Oh, yeah. They, it would it'd freak everybody out. Well, look at the look at Israeli war. It's freaking people out. And that's has nothing to really do with us. I mean, as far as dying and killing and blowing shit up. It could if we wanted to, but it's not. No. It, well, you know, Johnny, I, I said this before. So why doesn't the aliens get involved in stopping our wars? Why would they? If, if Honestly, I think if they thought that if they just stopped one war, that would be the end of it, you know, showed themselves. But I don't, I don't think they believe that. I think they think that... Um, We'll just go to blowing shit up. They'll stop and they'll go blowing something else up. Well, we like to, as humans, we like to blow stuff up. No, it's not just Americans like to blow stuff up. I mean, America's not blowing anything up right now. It's Russia's blowing stuff up. Ukraine's blowing stuff up. The Palestinians and Moss are blowing stuff up. Israel's blowing stuff up. Syria, Syria, not us. We, for a change, and I say this lightly, <laughs> for a change, we're not blowing anything up. Uh well, as Americans, we like to blow shit up. I mean, look at our TVs, guys. I mean, really, we can't deny we don't like to see shit blow up because our TV's full of it, and those shows usually make a lot of money. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I couldn't give you a single person. I mean, uh, Stanton Friedman did a lot uh, because he was yeah. a nuclear physicist. He helped to, to to bring this into a real face. Um, there's been a few other people. Ted Phillips. He's also uh helped to bring it in. Uh Jim Mars is probably a big one. He he really put this into the public eye and, and helped people to know what this is about. Matter of fact, because of Jim, I met uh John Goodwin. because um, he was doing some work with Writers of the Future, doing some um, I think some audio work. And um Jim and I were been friends for a long time. We were we did a lot of shows together. We caused a lot of we wreaked a lot of havoc. Let's just say that. When his book came out about the Kennedy, about the Kennedy assassin, oh, we had a ball, man! Oh, Jesus, we had a ball. Uh, we're still getting phone. Every time that one airs, we get phone calls. By the way, <laughs> you know, I'm not kidding you, man. Every time it airs, people are just you, you like, probably throw Colonel Corso on that list too, yeah,
0: Lieutenant you could put, Colonel Corso.
3: You could, you could put Corso on that list. There, um, there's some stuff. You know, we were talking about Roswell not too long ago, and a friend of mine says. Um, why doesn't it get its proper attention? So, Roswell gets a lot of attention. I said, it's just everybody's dead now. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I, had, I had interviewed um, Junior, it's been a while, but about five or six years ago, I think I was one of the very last interviews he did. And uh, well, he's, he lived in Homa, not far from where I was at, about an hour away from where I lived. And it, the thing of it is, is Roswell was Roswell. You, you, there's a lot of argument on exactly what it was. Was it? Okay, first, whoever wrote that stupid shit. Okay, no radar knocked the UFO out the sky. Let me explain before I even go any further. They got this thing called space. Y'all ever heard of that? That is just full of radiation. I mean, intense, way more than you could ever get on Earth. Matter of fact, if this radiation even re- reached Earth, we'd all be dead. Okay? But yeah, this UFO shh, flies right through it, no problem. But it comes here and we point up, ooh, a little radar addition, it falls out the sky. Do you really believe that shit? And then another guy goes, Oh, a lightning bolt did. Okay, well, no, they take more power. Think about this. They're in space all the time. I'm sure they can take way bigger of a charged particle than that. I don't, and the only way I think you could bring down one of those is if it was like a cargo craft or an escape pod. I don't think a true UFO, I mean, a true alien craft is going to come down by any technology we possess or even any technology that God possesses on this planet. I don't think it can be brought down with any of that. Uh, I, I just think they're, they're designed for a much, you know, they're, they're crossing interstellar distances in space. I, I imagine it's much more intense out there than it is. It's one of the reasons we're not having going to Mars yet. It's not so long it's going to take us there. We're going to get irradiated along the way. So I, I don't know, guys. I, I just, I just, sometimes I think you need to use logic when you're looking at some of this stuff and I don't believe everything here. I will tell you this. So, so, In 1911, the Germans started building flying saucers, or let me rephrase that, building saucers, disc-shaped things. So there's a story that a gentleman uh, was given information by human-type aliens. There was a a ship that that was actually a gray saucer that had been recovered with no aliens, just the, the human aliens had it. They gave it, not to Hitler, but to the guy before Hitler. And they started building. Now you can go from 1911 through 1913. If you go look, they tried designing seven or eight different things that are shaped like saucers. They even had a saucer shaped tank. Uh, they had all kinds of weird stuff. They even had a jet plane or something that was going to be a jet plane that was saucer shaped. It was just weird. So anyway, long story short, Hitler's people were much smarter. The scientists were much smarter. They got their hands on it. And they started using the technologies it was because somebody asked me, well, why would they have given it to Germany? Well, at the turn of that century, Germany was the most advanced country on the planet by far. They were twice as advanced as America was, easily twice as advanced. We had to cheat to catch up. <clears throat> and so knowing that, that's who they would have gave it to. They would have just gave it to Germans who were peaceful people at the time. They hadn't started World War I yet uh, or World War II, so no one really knew. But there had to be some reason why they decided, oh, so I'm, I'm, really, I'm, I'm this big of a country, but I think I can rule the world. You had to be something that gave you that edge. that made you want to do it. And, and they started passing us up in leaps and bounds in technology. Then we end the war. There actually is documentation of a saucer being brought back from Germany to the United States at the close of the war. And where did it go to Roswell, New Mexico? Uh, that's where it was sent to the uh, base out there. So more than likely we had it. Gray's price said, look, we're going to try to teach you how to fly this damn thing. Because uh, there's something a lot of people don't know. There was two crash sites, not one. At there, mm-hmm. there was Corona and Roswell. So Roswell was a, whatever it was a small craft. Probably was an escape pod where the Grays jumped in it. it hit the escape pod, came down. And escape pod when it hit the ground probably just broke up. Uh, I, I doubt escape pods are built like regular craft are. Um, they did find some some gray bodies and one alive, one partially alive, one alive. But more than that, some Cub Scouts. Walked up on a decent-sized saucer in Corona, in the woods in Corona, there were four bodies laying outside the saucer side by side, and they were kind of a glowing, melty, human skinish color. Just kind of, they they were about the same size as a human. It just looked like two humans, that, four humans that had been exposed to high, intense kind of radiation. So the kid and the and the dad made a report, and we never heard from him again, ever. No one knows what happened to him. To this day, no one knows what happened to them. The story's even barely out there, and uh, they just disappeared. Uh, somebody came and picked up the two boys from school, and the dad just never made it home. Nobody knows what happened to him. Yeah. Government came and got them. That's what happened to him. Are they still I don't know if they're still alive. I, I would hope so, but I don't, I don't want to think so. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm thinking they got terminated, my friends, what I'm thinking. Well, because it it blows the story of it was just a Roswell crash. It it makes it look more like we crashed a damn thing. Well, yeah, when we probably, what the hell? We don't know how to fly anything. Gray's crafts are organic to start off with, and and you have to meld with them to drive them. So I told you, we know a lot these days. Yeah, well, the way we find stuff out like that is we just, we post a question to two or 300 contactees. Nobody knows what the question is, and none of the contactees know each other. So when the information all comes back exactly the same, you know you got something. Yeah, it's a good way of cheating, but it works. Well, because they don't know each other, no one knows what the question is. So you only know the question when I give it to you, or whoever's running the program gives it to you, and uh, they don't know each other. Jack don't know John, John don't know Melanie, Melanie don't know Chris. No, they don't know each other. Uh, these are just random people. We keep right now we keep about twenty-eight hundred contactees that we run these type of experiments with. Mm-hmm. Just to see what comes up out of them, You'd be surprised, man. You'd be surprised some of the crap you find out that you don't want to find out about. Blue plasma is one of them. What's the deal with blue plasma? You know, that's 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 a weird thing because we kept getting these reports and they would fill out a report and they would talk about this weird blue color. Like, I, I got so tired of hearing this weird blue color. So finally I said, I got with the with the with um, one of the groups one night, so we need to figure out what this blue color is. So we put up a, a list of questions, narrowed it down to one, send it to all the contactees and ask them to just, just concentrate on this blue, nothing else, and and tell us what it is that they're seeing when they're seeing the blue. On hypnosis, you got some stuff, but not enough. And I'm I, Even though I'm a good hypnosis, I, I'm still not the most trusting of hip, hypnotherapy. I'm just, and, and I'm, I'm trained at it. Really, I'm really, I'm actually really good at it, but still, um, even, and you know, when I, when I do hypnosis, I run voice stress with. It. Which nobody else, mm-hmm. as far as I know, no one else does that but me, and and it gives me an advantage. But still, I always feel like if something was tainted, or if there was something put in the person's head, or if we ask the wrong questions that make them think alien, or because we're not allowed to use words like extraterrestrials or greys, they have to use those words. We can't, and uh, if because if once you say it, it's in their head. Especially if they're you know down around hypnosis level four or five, it's there, and it's going to be there forever. Uh, so it's just better, you know, ask a date, time, place, and let them tell you the story front and back, stop it, set up a line of questioning, go back, put them back on the hypnosis, use those questions and, and, and see what comes out. It works really well. It's just, and we learn a lot. I mean, you you learn a lot of stuff, but the blue plasma seemed to be, so we kept hearing about it. And then finally we we got the question out and instantly, I, I think it was like 60 people came back within two days. Oh, they immerse immerse you in it to rejuvenate you. So the one girl said, I was freaking out Mm -hmm. because the alien was pushing me down in. I thought I was going to suffocate. And uh, once I was under it because she was holding her breath, she said, I started breathing. I realized I could breathe. And she said, it just felt like this weird, tingly, sparkly thing going all around you in and out of your body. And and then a bunch of other people described it. And they all say the same thing. When you come out of it, you feel rejuvenated. You feel good. And a couple of people who were sick that came out of it were no longer sick with some pretty rough diseases. We got um, two contactees and both are in California. I I remember these ladies. I'm still good friends with them. I remember when the first one contacted me, she was in stage four cancer had six months. And then when Janine contacted me, she was in stage four cancer had about five months. And uh, and they were just wanting to dump everything they knew in their heads to me. You know, just here, look, this is what we've learned. We know this. I don't know how true it is, but I'm I'm just going to dump it, dump it, dump it, dump it, dump it. And, um, I remember I was, I was sound asleep. My phone just ringing nonstop in mean, old days, you know, when you still had the damn hard phone sitting next to your bed and it wouldn't stop. So finally I just picked it up and I snapped. real. I was like, what the bleep do you want? And, <laughs> um, and she tells me who it is. I'm like, what, what's up, baby? I said, you feeling bad?" She said, no, I'm feeling great. She said, the last two days I felt fabulous. So I went to the doctor that day. I'm like, what? She said, I have no cancer. And she said, not, not only do I have no cancer, but all the damage it caused is gone. So she actually had her doctor send me over the paperwork before and after. So not even five hours later, Janine calls with the exact same thing. Both of them had seen each other on the ship two days earlier. Um, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, stuff like, and, and when you have the before and afters, it's hard to deny it. Somebody said, well, it's bullshit. No, I said, no, I've got, I can, they was stage four. You can see all the work for yourself. You can even see the cancer growing at a, at a fast rate. Was one of them had non small something or another it was really bad, and I was just gone, and that even the doctors amazed. It was no damage, no nothing. Um, I don't know, Chris. They don't do it to everybody. I don't, I, I don't know why they were special and other people aren't. I wish I could tell you. It's, um, but I have heard about people being healed more than once. And if you go back and and get into the ancient world, you'll find out that the Mayans, the Aztecs, the Incans, the Egyptians, the Sumerians, the Dogon, a bunch of these races will talk about. These creatures that look like a gray or look like a reptilian that would come in and save people. Actually, they talked about. Um, I'm not even sure that some of the greys didn't weren't pharaohs. You know, uh, pharaohs uh, or not the greys, the humans. If you, if you noticed the the some of the pharaohs have the disease where your head's like instead of being around like this, it's long like this. Well, that's how the heads are on the human aliens. When you look at them front on, they look just like us. If you look at them on the side, their head goes back another foot longer than ours do. And um, there were several pharaohs that had this disease that made them look like that. And it's worse than that. If you look at some of the pictures of the pharaoh's face head on, they don't quite look like us. And it's not just there. There's some in the, and don't forget, the Naskins used to board their children's head to look like that. That's what their gods look like. There's lots of evidence that we've been being visited For a long time It's just The real question is why Why do you want to come see Sean? He's kind of ugly I, I mean, I don't know, man I'm just saying like, What the hell, dude? You, you know, what the No, nah. nah, I mean, really I don't know If I did, I'd be a freaking millionaire Or I'd be dead one or the other If I told Sean everything I knew right there They'd just come to his house and shoot him. No, it wouldn't even be. It wouldn't even be blatant. It'd just be pop. Sorry, dude. You shouldn't have listened to Joe. <laughs> i y'all, y'all think I'm kidding? Yeah, I'm not.
2: Yeah, just don't tell everybody on the radio. I know. Huh? I remember
3: we was talking one night, and uh, I get a phone call doing the show. It's a sanction report. You have crossed your boundary on your on my uh, my classification i was like really so i got a class 10 how can i cross the boundary i mean it's like not even higher now i'm like what the hell and then i get this other thing it's like some weird voice like yo you and then it tells me what i did and i was like so i said i said back in my own weird voice what are you talking about this has been out for 50 years (laughs) (laughs) they did not like that by the way yeah i mean it's part of it you know you're going to get I mean, if you ever get really, the more serious you get into this showing, the more likely you're going to get harassed by somebody. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it just it, means you're yeah. over target, right? Yeah. That means you're, you're doing anytime they come in. If they, I figure if they take the time to bother, or threaten my life, Oh, I got something good. Or actually they usually they don't usually threaten my life. They usually threaten my kids and my wives. When my mom was alive, they like to threaten her, you know, we'll just kill your mom when she's driving from Atlanta. I'm like, Oh, well damn people. Uh, I said, you better hope you don't get closer because she does carry a gun. <laughs> I used to tell her all the time. And then said, she's good shot. She's just going to shoot you. She's never going to ask questions. She used to be married to a state trooper. so she's just going to shoot and ask questions later. I said,
2: be warned. Do uh, these guys just text you or call you or? Oh no, they up show either. up. They'll
3: show up at a job site. They'll show up. They, they just. Um, we've had them show up in person more than a dozen times. Uh, usually, if they. If, if, like tonight if we were talking about something they really didn't like we just get booted uh today's they just boot you off and they'll keep you off until time's up and then they'll let you back in it's uh um, and then you call stream yard or whatever company you are working with there was nothing wrong with the service everybody else wasn't having a problem i don't know why you were mm-hmm. call the internet company nothing wrong with your internet you know and don't just boot like me and you they boot everybody i don't know how they do it but they boot everybody everybody who's on the net they get they must have some kind of worm they send out just boots everybody and you get booted enough times. Alfred Webb will tell you we were doing a show on the alien agenda and we got booted so many times. We we, we were just watching our audience tick down because 15 minutes in boot, boot, boot. But every about every 12 minutes, they boot us the entire show, the entire show. Even my producer was disgusted. He was cussing at the end of the show. He was like, And then we've had him break in on live shows and just start talking to us. How you doing? <laughs> hey, you know, let me, can I ask you a question? I'm like, well, I guess you done broken in the show. Yeah, go ahead. And, uh, and we've been told, we've gotten letters, we've been told by them, we've been told by other people, well, we, we like to talk to you. You've got a lot of information. I'm like, well, that's real sweet. I said, you know, you could pay me for that information, right? No, I guess not. But um, they're just – and, it, you know, if it was just me, I'd say, okay, I'm just losing my mind. But it happens to a lot of people. <laughs> and what I don't understand is they got to know when they piss you off, you're just going to look more. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure they got something that I'd just say no, but all the rest of us going to look more. Uh, what was that, Marky? 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 Hold on. Marky? Marky? Mark? Mark? Okay. Um, we're in the chat room. Young, come in the chat room. Y'all just, I think y'all just scared to come in the chat room and Sean. I think y'all just like this messenger. Y'all can hide out and say stupid shit and <laughs> nobody can see it <laughs> but <by> me. <laughs> no, really. Uh, well, anyway, what was your question? I'm sorry. I'm just picking on what, what was your question. And remember, guys, location now, name and location. Oh, you're calling from hell. Or oh, your wipe is letting you use the phone tonight. Is that what's going on? Okay. Anyway, what <laughs> question to ask? New York. What part of New York? Buffalo. Oh well, I feel for you, my friend. What you got for me, Sean and I? Um, most powerful extraterrestrial. What do you mean? Oh, you mean what is the most? Mm, what do you think, Sean? Who do you think is the most powerful extraterrestrial? That's a hard. I mean, that's temp- like a loaded question, man. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, it's like it depends on who, what's real, what's not real, what's you know, what's out there. You know, it depends on what you believe. I mean, that's a. Check, I wouldn't really even know how to. But it's, it's a tough to one. Question. Yeah.
3: What do you mean? You're, I okay. First off, I don't know the name of the extraterrestrial in Scientology. No, I don't. It's not something I ask about. It's not even something I'm interested about. No. I know I'm interested in aliens, but I figure if they wanted me to know, they would tell me. Uh, well, I know quite a few of them, so I figured if they wanted me to know, they would tell me. <laughs> but the one you're talking about was the one that was seen in the 50s, 55s, so in that area. He was big, tall, one-eyed, um, kind of bent back, legs. No, he, he looked really fierce and really scary, but he actually saved humans from other extraterrestrials. Yes. I can't. His name began with a K. Coover, I I, really I can't remember. It's been so long, but um, that's what he did. Yes, and there was quite a few reports of him over a hundred. He'd just show up when an abduction was going on, and he would take the humans away from the aliens. I guess since he quit showing up, the greys got pissed and killed his ass. The reptilians something. The reptilians might eat him. I don't. I don't know. I. I I can't. That's the last report I actually remember reading about was somewhere in the mid sixties. I remember it started somewhere in the early 50s and I think they ran about 12 years. Um, you would have to look up I don't know how you look it up. A Cyclops alien maybe. Um, well he had legs like 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 almost hooven legs cuz they would come up to the knee and then they would bend back like you, like a horse's leg almost but they didn't really look like that. And then he was built kind of normal Except he was way bigger than us, had way bigger hands. No, I think they said he was like 10 foot or 12 foot tall. He was big, whatever he was. Yeah, he'd just pop out of nowhere like he had a transporter. And and, and Don't ask me. Well, see, that's the problem. ICAR's got a rule. We need X amount of, of, of cases to consider an alien to be in the group that we consider are probably real. Well, right. I, I say probably real because until I, I got one in my hand, I got to use that word. Oh, I think they're 100% real, but in, but doing it legit way, I have to say probably. Um, there are five types that we investigate on a regular basis. There are a bunch of little fringe stuff that pop out here, this, that one, and the other one that could be real, could not be real. You got to remember, greys especially like to screw with people. Reptilians do too. Humans do too. I mean, they'll, they'll just put something in your head and you'll be, especially if you're acting like an ass or being stupid. Yeah, they'll pop something in your head and freak you out real good. What would you do if you – could you imagine having to put up with us whiny, bitchy humans all the time? I mean, really. You know, I get people in trouble because a friend of mine is saying something about Jesus. I said, Jesus done got tired of hearing you. He done turned his little thing off. He's on vacation (laughs) somewhere, probably out in Alpha Centauri somewhere. I said, I got to get away from these humans for a while. Yeah, just put them on mute. That's right. Uh, Oh, I'm not – I'm being serious, man. Come on. 2,000 years of y'all wanted, I would have done left the galaxy. I'm just telling you, I would have left y'all. No, I'm going to kill you because you're my dad's creation, but I would have left. <laughs> I'm out of here, but Dad, you got to deal with these idiots. You created them. You stuck with them. <laughs> yeah, no, okay, I'll be nice. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Nothing about religion. No, Never never practiced any religions. Nope, Never was any in religion. Never was Catholic or Baptist or any of that stuff. Or my wife wasn't even Pentecostal. None of that stuff. Yes. Or, or some of the other religions like the arts. So to answer that question, I will answer that for you. Um, One of the things we look for, if you've got like an interest in the paranormal or dragons or weird sci-fi, just in general, you can't help yourself. You have the need to look into stuff that you know, you shouldn't Ah. be looking into. You've probably been taken. It's, it's a good chance no, it's not just that. I mean, if you go to the website, I think there's sixty questions on there. But if don't be popping stuff up like that. Anyway, um, it's it's a good it's a good chance that that you know if if you've in that category, you've probably been taken. Well, just because you believe in alien, I mean, just because you you have a paranormal experience doesn't necessarily mean it. But the fact that you have a a, a need to investigate it, so most people usually start out in some types of religions. They'll usually work to two or three religions before they realize what they're looking for is not there, even though they really don't know what they're looking for. So then they'll go, you might get into dragons or, you know, different things like that. And then they might get into the paranormal because they're looking for something specific. Usually they'll end up in some kind of magic, doing some type of magic because they have gifts and they don't understand them. So using rituals through magic sometimes helps people control their gifts a little better, even though magic isn't, in the aspect of what we're thinking about it. Or what do you mean? Is it real? Yeah, it's real in some aspects, but we're not getting in tonight. We'll do that another show on that. But um, for humans, we need, sometimes we need crutches, sticks. We need something to help us make that next step. Uh, when you have a gift. Well, generally when you get along in your life, you'll start realizing that so you do have these gifts and you'll start hearing about people who have these gifts on a regular basis and who are actually contactees and have a handling experience. And you'll find that, that a lot of what you consider to be poltergeist activity or things like that are actually extraterrestrial experiences. If y'all, I know a lot of y'all seen uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You see all the shit going crazy in the room. So a lot of if you were a paranormal investigator, you would say that was a poltergeist, wouldn't you? Yes, you would. Don't even try to do try to lie your way out. You know damn good way. you'd say it was a poltergeist. But in this case, it was an extraterrestrial experience. It doesn't mean all poltergeists are extraterrestrial experience, but it does mean a lot of them could be. So a lot of times it's like misdiagnosing something. Uh, You know, these people are having these experiences and they're thinking, oh, it's some demon or some ghost. And it's really not. It's actually a gray screwing around or a reptilian screwing around. Well, some of their equipment makes stuff go haywire. Uh, I noticed um, as our technology gets more advanced, it doesn't happen as often now. I don't don't know why I guess older toys and older electronics were easier to mess with than newer ones. Like your phone, your, your phone's case now. It's not quite as easy to get into these as it used to be, uh, like your your dial up phone that used to sit outside. But there was no protection for that. You know, the back end was opened and stuff. Uh, but these aren't. These are actually this this phone right here can actually resist an E M P up to I think five five six five megs, six megs. I forgot what they said, but yes, a, a nuclear war I can be dialing y'all. The nuke's coming. Wouldn't matter because I'll be dust afterwards. But still. My phone work, though. See how that works out. <laughs> some some native thousand years. Like, oh, look, we got a phone. <laughs> so i behave. But it's it's just it's just one of those things. that's part of it, and people get lost in these places trying to find. They have this need inside of them that's just dragging their ass along. Sean has. He just don't realize it yet. It's uh. It's just he does realize, but he's still working it out in his head. It's uh, But it just drags you along. It's like. You know you don't want to be doing this. You know you want to stop. You got other things you want to do. You got other things you want to spend your money on. But for some reason, it just keeps cropping up. You know, it, it's popping in the back of your head or you're hearing something. You're like, well, oh, wait, where'd that come from? And then you got to stop and you got to listen to it. And, you know, he's busy like I am. He's got, he's got a life. He's writing. He's an author. And so he's got a lot of stuff going on. So sometimes you don't want to have to stop in the middle of something because you heard something or scenes. And then I have so many things set on my computer to send shit to me that I'll be just doing paying. Like yesterday, I was paying bills and I'm getting stories popping about aliens on my computer. Uh, and then I got to stop. I got to read. I got to stop. I got to read. <laughs> I was like, no, Joe. Just finish what you're doing. Get off the damn computer. Uh, well, people, does it does it. It's So for contactees or, or abductees, I should say it's different. Anybody who finds yourself with a thirst for this or, or being drugged through this is definitely an abductee. They just haven't learned it or found out. And you got to remember 98% of everybody who's taken will never know, ever. Unless they just start having these dreams or awakenings, they'll just never know. But uh, some people, what happens is, is something. It could be anything. They did something on board one of the ships one time that um, the, ray, the the gray looked over, or the reptilian looked over, and said, well, wait, shit, they might be useful. Uh, let's give them a little information and see what happens. And the next thing you know, you're just nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And then somewhere along the line, you become aware of what's been happening to you. And that's when you become a contactee. Yes. You're not a contactee people until you're aware that the experience is actually happening to you. And then you are. And then when that happens, if you're a bright one, you will start getting downloads and downloads. And what's weird about downloads, they don't always activate at the same time. and They don't necessarily down activate when they download either. Sometimes you'll know that something's being downloaded into your head. You'll, you'll know you can feel the information, but it's not quite accessible. And then one day you just be bopping along and bam, it's like just a whole file just opens up in your head and you're like, shh, what the, uh, it's, it's a rough way to live, but it, it, it's something that contactees deal with. And remember this contactees have advantages over everybody else. Once you know you are, then you also know you're empathic and telepathic. You're definitely empathic and a lot of them are telepathic. So um, say like, like I do, I do, I have to do bids for contracts. So when I go to talk to a customer, I'm trying to feel out how much money can I get from this customer? Can, you know, so, you know, I start out with this kind of bid and I say, okay. And I, when I walk in, I said, I'm holding it in my hand. I'm talking to the customer. And then I realize 10 minutes into the conversation that I can bump this 10, 20, 30, 40, 50%. And uh, it makes me a lot more money. Also, sometimes I know, that I can I'll hear the customer and I'll look down at the bid and go, you know what, this bid's not gonna fly. It's too much. Um well yeah you can call it that, but for me it's not I know what it is. Um well you can call it intuition if you want, but it's it's more than that. It's um I just I can just feel them coming off. It's it's almost like I'm listening to it in their head. Um and to help y'all out with this, I come from a family that's very empathic and telepathic. So some days Everybody gets on the same effing wavelength and you'll hear stuff like, so the other night I tell, I'll go to tell my wife, I said, I need some, and then I hear my daughter in there popping popcorn. I was just getting ready to tell her to go make some popcorn. And I'm like, what? Or we'll be driving and they're answering my questions before they're actually being answered, which by the way is irritating. Just so y'all know that you damn people. Um, It is. I mean, it does prove that it's real, but it also is irritating because you're like, can I speak now? Can I have something to note? It's a, it's, but it happens in a lot of families. You'll see a lot of families like mom will go, she'll tell you who's on the phone when it rains or who's at the door when they're knocking on the door. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll see your kid, you'll know what your kid wants before the kid says anything. And, and fathers and mothers, especially with kids, they zoom in on them. So for a contactee family, because the whole family is, I mean, the husband or wife doesn't necessarily both have to be, but these days it's almost a given that they're both abductees, you tend to lock in on your kid. You'll know what's going on with your kid anywhere. And so it's kind of a downside for abductees and contactees because your kid's at school and he's just, whatever, feeling rough or having a bad day. You sense that shit. And then and until you realize what it is, it's just in your head and you're like, well, why, don't, why don't I feel like this? And especially if you've been feeling good and there's nothing wrong in your life and all of a sudden you're just kind of like, why do I feel like this? Because you're feeling someone else. Empaths can be a, a rough thing in general. It can... Uh, can be a good thing but it can be a rough thing because sensing other people's emotions and feelings is not always what it's cracked up to be
0: mm-hmm.
3: Sean knows he's been sensing them lately he's just saying he's just kind of wondering what the hell it's always bad when your wife knows what you're thinking before you do though. and just tell yeah, well
2: because guys I always said, thought that, that
3: the, was normal you can just look
2: yeah. at her face and you kind of know <laughs> know you're in trouble <laughs> Well, that's true
3: too. <laughs> I know that feeling myself. Oh, okay, baby, I'm leaving. Now. I'm going outside. I'll see you later. Um, what you got for us, Denise? When, where are you from, Denise? Eureka, California. I've never been to Eureka, California. I have heard of it a few times. Way up there in the north. Where is it? Way into the north on the, by the yeah, coast, it's, right?
2: It's a it's a beautiful place. It's really nice up there. But you know, there's always they have like tidal wave warnings all over the place. That's how I'm going to go there. <laughs> Screw that. <laughs> uh, I'm serious. There's signs everywhere, like, you know, title, st- title, wave, um, what, what do you mean?
3: I, no, I don't think that's where the TV show Eureka was filmed, now. I, I think that was just a studio in LA, to be honest with you. No. I, I don't know for 100%, but I'm pretty sure it just it just got that sense of, it could have been a real town. They use real towns for stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the Librarian. What do you mean? Oh, the TV series of Librarian. Okay. What about it? Uh, I'm sure there's aliens in there somewhere. Yes. I would bet somewhere in one of those series is aliens. Mm, I'm just saying. There's probably a lot of ancient stuff in there too. So what's your – wait, 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 wait. Where did that question go? Oh, wait a minute. So you want Sean and I had to go break into Area 53 and fr- – First off, we just told you the tall whites don't even like people. Much less the government breaking into one of your tops. John, I'm going to watch as you do this, man. i have the binoculars. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going in there. I'm not even sending I'm not even sending a rat with a camera on its back in there.
3: What's that, Christopher? Yeah, I'm sacrificing. I'm sending his ass. <laughs> uh, well, you know, be honest, guys. There's several secret bases out there. I mean, Area Fifty One was the like one that got broadcasted the most because of some of the stuff that happened out there. But there's Area Fifty Three, there's Area Fifty Two, there's Area Fifty Four. There's, there's like ten of them, and you no, know, they're all connected. And they all have bases on, them. And, and a lot of them we have no idea what's going on out there because nobody knows what they are. Do y'all know how far Area Fifty One goes down? I got an idea. I seen a map of it one time. I got to shut up or I get shot. But it goes down a long ways. More than two or three floors down, I can tell you that. More than fifty. It goes way to hell down there. Ain't no nuclear bomb taking it out. Not unless it hits it down in one of them bunker busters, maybe. I don't know what's down there and I want to find out. Oh, so um Raymond wants to know, do we believe in the Dulcie extraterrestrials? You mean the ones that were the ones that were shooting each other? Yeah, that's the
2: Phil Schneider.
3: What's the Phil Schneider story, right? mm mm-hmm. First I don't know why a gray would be using a gun to start off with. Gray, just just think of you and your head would explode. I'm just well, – being honest, people. I mean, the first time I heard this story, I was kind of like, okay, so they're shooting at the grays. All the gray had to do was just think and everybody standing there would have been dead. The, the humans and reptilians are, are scared of them for some reason. I think that's why. I think they're uh, – well, they knock people out with thought. They don't have to use a device to put you on. They're just thinking you're out. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. I have a hard time with that one just because the Greys are very advanced. Oh, you mean with the base? No, I don't have a
2: problem with the base. They got bases
3: all over if, if in place. Go ahead, Sean, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, I think what Bill Schneider was like a, ge- a geological engineer mm-hmm. and may have like helped like build that base, blow holes into the ground or so he claims, right? But the other thing about Phil Schneider is he used to sleep. He used to collect radioactive rocks, and he would sleep on top of radioactive rocks, and he would oh, give geez, them out no. to people at conferences. So if you've ever been to a conference and Phil Schneider gave you a rock, uh, you might, might want <laughs> yeah. to <laughs> get it checked. Give it to somebody yeah. you don't like. You might, okay? Yeah, you might want to run a Geiger counter by that by that mofo oh, and shit. get it checked out.
3: Well, I mean, I just, you know, because the way, the first time I heard the story, it was like bunches of them. And I'm like, wait, what's going on? I said, the Greys would have just zapped their asses. Uh, they Well, you want to tell way. a
2: story? I mean, it's a fascinating story. It's, no, it's, like, it's a good coffee. science fiction story. I, I, your voice is good tonight. I, I'm just
3: going to drink coffee.
2: All right. So he claims that there was this base had like seven levels, and it gets really intricate, mm-hmm. and that the U.S. government had a treaty with the Greys, and the Greys started you know, doing some stuff they shouldn't have been doing. So they sent down a bunch of green berets. Uh, First of all, that's another problem with the story is that that's not a green beret mission. That would be like Delta or something. Anyway, that's, that's not a, or PJs, something like that. Right. It's associated with the air force. But anyway, that's just suspension of disbelief. So he sent down about 29 uh, special forces and they get into a firefight with the the greys and the greys they don't have weapons but they apparently they have like this uh energy circular energy f- you know field on their chests that they shoot at these things well phil schneider's down there for some reason he pulls out a i don't know if it's a luger or a revolver and or, a, or a nine millimeter probably a nine millimeter i mean it takes a luger, shot what's that i said it was probably a nine millimeter luger Oh yeah, maybe. Anyway, he shoots one of the greys, and this thing get, gets a shot off at him, and you know, destroy like gets he gets injured and he loses some fingers. At least that's the story behind. Have you ever saw Phil Schneider? He's you know missing a few fingers. Yeah,
3: missing a couple. I think I seen a couple of. And
2: then, and then one of the green berets rescues him, gets him into this elevator, and it goes up. And then you know the the green beret sacrifices his life. To save phil schneider so that's that's the story um like i mean there's there's no way to verify if it's true or not but given that the guy slept on radioactive rocks i, I don't know i i would uh i would be hesitant to take it take with a grain of salt people yeah take it with a grain of salt i'm not saying it's not true but uh you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet my reputation or my life on it being true. Make make of, in this case, make your own decisions.
3: Um, yeah, that's right. What do you mean? Do I think it's? True? I never thought it was true, but it was different for me because I have a more intricate understanding of the grays than most people do. Uh, I've been really. I don't know if I'd call it lucky. I'm, I'm going to tell y'all something, guys. I remember um just almost 40 years ago. I remember first time I met a contactee, who was telling me some of the stuff that actually happened and the stuff between. Between, uh, say, age, as soon as you hit puberty to about age 28, that's when all the aliens, if there's anything they're going to do that you're not going to like, that's when it's going to happen. And I remember her telling me this, and I I didn't sleep for like six weeks. I was thinking, Jesus Christ, why would anything do this? And then I remember a couple of months later, her mom came to see me, and we were talking. And by the way, I didn't believe in this at the time. Um. And she was telling me, she said, no, it's it's just these age groups and, and it's puberty thing. This is when they do the breeding experiments. And so it fascinated me. And then for the next like six months, I'm not kidding y'all. A person a day who had had a contact was coming to talk to me. I wasn't there. I wasn't even in the field yet. I was at work. I had four or five people come up and in the course of four or five. And then I got to thinking, what the hell? It's like something or someone or something is directing people at me. And I couldn't understand why. And then a good friend of mine, who was, um, she's a politician, very wealthy woman, very nice family, very good looking, comes out. Out of the blue, I'm sitting there having lunch, and she said, Joe, I got to tell you something. Then I'm like, okay. She said, I think these little gray aliens have been taking me. And, I, and I'm not shitting you, I fell off the bench. I, 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 I was stuttering. I didn't know what to say because I was thinking, well, well. first off, why did she tell me? I mean, I know she'd been knowing me since I was a kid, but still, why, why, why tell me this freaked me out. And then a couple of weeks after that, another person that was an impeccable, impeccable, anything that came out their mouth, you would believe. And they told me the same thing and almost an identical story. I was, I was just flipping. I said, okay, I got, so I joined to move on first mistake, um, I worked for Mufon for a while. I met Walt Dan, he's a great guy. Um, I remember the first time Linda met him; he, she was crying. And that's um, he did. A, he, we did a lot of work with him. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, anything you sent into Mufon just disappeared. And you couldn't get it. You couldn't find it. It was like the black hole of Calcutta. So uh, I did one final abduction thing with him because they didn't like me doing abduction stuff. We. uh, I got with some friends of mine's dance, and friends of mine in Europe, and, and we found about five thousand cases, and we started our first abduction criteria, and that's where we started going from that point forward. was from there, <clears throat> that's that's what's that was my first real Fourier into it, and then after that, it just seemed like shit just started happening. Um, it was just I, I couldn't stop because every time I, I'd park it, something else would happen, or somebody'd come up, and then ICAR got founded out of out of a just. Out of a chat group of all places, it just poom. One day it went from UFO alien. alienama chat with a bunch of us just chatting and hanging out by three hundred of us to an alien abduction
2: organization. It was kind of like yeah, yeah. That's the thing about MUFON. I've talked to another investigator. I'm not going to out him on the air, but no, he he said that sometimes they would have cases. And he would like, you know, read the case, and then he would come back to check later on, and it would be gone. They'd be gone, vanished. Oh, so, and then I got in trouble a couple of times for
3: busting. Go ahead, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, so I think one potential theory behind that is you have, you know, those those sorts of in, in, you know organizations are in, are comp- not compromised, but there are people who are they're compromised. represent the government who are, you know, involved. And they'll make those cases disappear. Um, Bruce Walt left.
3: <clears throat> when Walt left, it I don't John Schlussler took over. And not John's a nice guy, but John is black ops. He was he, it's all he ever did his whole life was black ops for the government. So you knew when he took over, he has he's an insider with the government. Anything they wanted, they were just gonna go through him. And it really it just started just bam, bam, bam. And then Lynn and I reported an experience that happened to us. It lasted about eleven days. So we sent it to him. Didn't hear anything for two years. Now remember, I was still a director at the time. And I was like, okay, well, I guess they don't want they're not interested they don't want to look at it. Because really, to be honest with you, Moo always been about chasing lights in the sky. And really, even today, they say they, they have their star team, but they really they don't really know what we know about alien abduction. So they still really are about chasing chasing lights in the sky. But we just kept getting a report after report. And then I and it tells you how bad it got, people like Peola Harris were getting mad at me. Richard Dolan, because I was talking about, we're talking there. we're going back over 25 years now, but because I dared to talk about alien abduction on the air when they were around. Biela quit talking to me for a whole year. If I wouldn't have seen her, matter of fact, if I wouldn't have seen her at the 60th anniversary at Roswell, she probably still wouldn't be talking to me. And she barely talks to me now because I talk about alien abductions Now, even though she does, now this is a woman who did not believe in this except for, even though she was friends with John Mack, which just floored me, um, mm-hmm. she never wanted to talk about it. Now she runs the Star, the Star Whatever conference where they talk about alien abductions. Matter of fact, I attended her first one, which was the all-women's conference in Stevensville, uh, Texas. And just, just Stevensville Stevensville, and the Cass Landry cases just shows you what MUFON really is. So I had heard about this case. My directors were heard about it, but we weren't really chasing UFOs. We really just chase alien abductions and contactees and stuff like that. And when UFOs involved, like when they have a sighting then we're interested in. It? Um, so I had no, no contactees that had told me anything about Stevensville. So she asked me to come up to the conference. I said, cool. I'll fly up. And we uh, actually, we drove up to Texas, picked up some friends along the way two of my, my directors, my uh, one of my state directors and assistant state directors in Texas. And I picked them up. We get up there. Nice place. Too. You got a nuclear power plant there, by the way. So I said, Oh, maybe the aliens were interested mm-hmm. in that. So uh, we go have dinner and we're sitting. And they said, Oh, we're going to have a, <clears throat> uh, um, we're going to tell the story on the hill where it happened. I said, Cool. We have some beer, or fire. So that's cool. Let's go. Um, so we go up there. We're sitting there. And Joe Renard, I give Joe a camera. For some reason, this guy is like he's invisible. No one ever pays attention to him. I love <laughs> Joe because he, he just walks around. Filming and everybody's just chatting away. He's, he's done this for several times for me.
2: He's a gray man.
3: Yeah, he is. I mean, it's just like, so anyway, we're sitting there talking and I'm talking to the witnesses and the, and the guy's telling me about this this, this triangle-shaped because It's got like a rounded nose and it flares back and it gets wider as it goes back and it's kind of thick and he's describing it to me. So then he says, and it's got plates on it that are riveted. I said, whoa, whoa, wait, rivets. Wait, what do you mean rivets? And he said, rivets. And I'm like, I mean, like rivets, like you see on a ship, rivets. He said, "Yeah." I said, "Okay." Right off the bat, boom! I knew this wasn't alien anymore. Now Mufon should have known that the very first time they heard this conversation. Then, so he's telling me about it. He said, "Well, and then two chase planes show up and they get on each side of them. He said, mm-hmm. "This thing is moving along." He said, and "Then all of a sudden you see the engines were red. There was a row of eight and a row of eight. So it was sixteen of these little square blocks." He said, it's, "It made a little noise and then they went from red to white and then the son of a bitch and thing was gone." I had heard this a dozen times. A good friend of mine who's in charge of the scientists at, at uh, Boeing on the, um, in California, on the west side of California by the deserts where they do a lot of their um, pylon testing. So she had told me about stuff like this. So we both got good clearances. So I called her while I was there in Stevensville and said, Sweetie, let me ask you some questions. And she goes, Well, you get, you know, you hear this guy come on. He says, he, he, I tell him my name. He runs my clearance. He said, all right, whatever. And then uh, we start talking, and I tell her what I'm seeing. And she said, oh, no, it's the Aurora, too. She said, yeah, they aimed it at George Bush's, and it's going to take a hard left, and it came back around. I said, yeah, I was wondering, because it was aimed at George Bush's, and there was a flight of F-16s in the air that night, but they didn't scramble. Mm-hmm. So they obviously knew what it was. Um, so I was so disappointed, I called I called John Schlussler. Oh, no, it wasn't John. Who was it? It was um, – Carry I think it was. Anyway, I called him up and said, What the bleed, man? His Joe, he said, I told I'd have nothing to do with that case. He said, I told him that case thing from day one, and they just went ahead and posted it anyway. And so I I started rebutting the case, and then a bunch of people got mad at me. And then Ken Cherry, who was a director for Texas for Moveon, jumped in on it because he realized I was right and they fired his ass. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. I said, Y'all are busted in a lie. And you will fire. Mm-hmm. So I, and then um, I ended up busting him on the Ed Walters case. I think that's one of the reasons I, I got in trouble with him because I busted him with Ed Walters. This was the very first time I ever busted Move on was with Ed Walters. Because they were they were making some outlandish statements and they tried to say, Oh, this kid went in the guy's house. He sold his house. somebody had been living in this house for three years. Some kid went in the attic three years after the house and found a replica UFO of the one he saw on the road. Made out of paper mache. I'm like, so nobody went in that attic for the first three years? I'm like, Get the shit out of here. You know you're going in the attic, <laughs> man. Come on. Give me a break. I was like, give me a damn break. And then the kids started saying all these other things. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to drive down here. I'm going to polygraph the kid. I said, I'm going to voice stress the kid. And see, ooh, no, he hauled ass. No one's see, seen or heard from him again. Yeah. I said, well, I think I'm that story. But you, you get those kind of things. See, the more you get into this, the more you'll have to deal with stupidity like that.
2: Well, I don't know if it was stupidity. I think no. That, I
3: mean, we'll have to deal with it. Is what I mean. Not
2: you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah. I mean, if if that was the like a, part of the Aurora Two project, right? Then it would serve the government to have people think it's a UFO. It would. And right? uh, I got, I got, I got to say, you know,
3: over the years, I've I've stumbled across a few of these cases and and I've cleared them up. But, and somebody says, well, you don't chase lights in the sky. Jeff said, yeah, but I'm the only one with a pedigree in the field. He's like, what do you mean? I said, I have advanced avionics and electronics with aircraft recognition from being on the USS Nimitz. He's like, oh, that's right. I said, yeah. So I'm the only one qualified in the whole damn field to look up at the sky and say, oh, no, that's not a plane. That's a damn something else. Because it's true, nobody else in the field has that kind of background. So far, I haven't met anybody with that kind of background. And, uh, and I worked on some of the most advanced aircraft we've ever had. And the thing about it is, is... <clears throat> You can tell a difference. They just perform differently. The things in the sky, even today, the only thing that even comes close to like the, um, the Foo Fighters back in the day are the new drones. Cause they can, they can, they can tumble. They can flip, they can roll over. They, they can do loop-to-loops, but they can't move at the speeds. Those ones moved back then. So you had things that would move back then. The pilots would say they were there. They would disappear. They were back. They were doing loop-to-loops around a class. They'd go and come back, go to the other one, right over no. Our drones can do those maneuvers, but they can't do those kind of speed yet. So we're moving. Our technologies are growing, and uh, we're, we're learning every day. The drone was a, <clears throat> a serious invention for us. But um, And think about it. It was, it was a toy before it was a weapon. Usually they're weapons before they're toys. <laughs> and the guy who invented, you know, the programs that make them all go together, he did that so he could mm-hmm. do New Year's and Halloween, I mean, in different shows. Of course, now the U.S. government took it. <laughs> It said, um, "We're going to make it a little more advanced, and nobody can have this version but us." I was like, and yeah. it's
2: cheap. And and it's cheap. cheap. You don't have, to, you know, like when you're, let's say, China does something with Taiwan, they have all these cheap missiles, and we have a twenty billion dollar aircraft carrier with hundred to one hundred and fifty million dollar F thirty five aircraft. Mm-hmm. Right? That's not the way to to fight that sort of a threat. The way to fight that sort of a threat is to have." thousands of drones that, you know, go take out the missiles when it's a lot cheaper and it's a lot more so, effective.
3: Since you said that I'm going to bring this up. Y'all will hear about this in probably a couple of months. It'll be the U S Navy is building a drone carrier just made just for drones and nothing else. Now, from what I understand about this, it's going to have several different sizes from what they call tabletop drones to drones, the size of jets. So the Navy just ordered Uh, these new drones that are not quite, they're F-35s without cockpits is what they are. That's basically what they are. So the pilot of the F-35 controls both drones and they can be used in a three-way attack. Actually, what they want to do is what they call the star configuration, which is the piloted drone, the pilot jet in the middle, a drone on top, a drone on bottom, a drone on left, a drone on right. That way, as they're twisted and going, nothing. I mean, you're not going to ever lose your pilot because the, the other ones will sacrifice themselves first. And they can go from, being controlled to be in control the an Apollo to AI just by a flip of a switch, and told what to do. So, Navy's getting serious about this because they have to protect them big ass carriers they built. I mean, when we were building the Gerald Ford and in, uh, in the Washington, we never uh, 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 we never really took in consideration for drones because they didn't really exist. Now we did. <laughs> now we <laughs> now we got to take in consideration. No, Jack, we didn't take a break because we no man we we've been zipping through time. We got only uh, what is it? Uh, we got about hmm, only about 11 minutes left yeah Uh, well no we just said that did UFOs no I'm gonna start i might have to have Sean come guest host with me sometimes on UFO on the cover. no he's got a lot of knowledge he get it all worked in his head his wife will say have you become a UFO junkie oh let me tell you something about this if I if, if you gonna get me in trouble if I could get all the money I spent on this field back not only because I retire, I could retire nicely. Oh yeah, we ain't, we're not even going there because the, you know the boss might hear it, and I'll be living in a house downstairs.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: Just saying, doghouse, sleeping in the doghouse. Yeah, so so, yeah like, and, and, and I get dogs only this big too. soon to be rough. <laughs> um. No, I, we, no. He writes. So, oh man, I was thinking about you today because I saw um. Oh, where was it? Weird World. What was a movie I saw? And I was like, wait, Sean didn't tell me he had a movie out, but it was wait, almost... A movie? A, yeah. Weird World War. Oh, what the hell? I think it was just weird... weird damn it, I'm tongue-tied. I think it was just weird, weird... Oh, I can't get it out of my mouth. Weird World War, I think is, is what it was. I remembered seeing it, because um, when I heard it, it caught my attention, because I thought about you instantly. I some bitch never told me a movie without talking to him. And then uh, it's, I... It's like I um, I don't know if it's a TVC. I think it's just a movie, like a one timer. And I'm not even sure if it's a good movie, but I just, I just heard it when I was, it was on, uh, I was on Roku somewhere. So you might look it up. Did and it just see come I, out. I don't know. That's why it caught my attention. But I was in the middle of something. when I heard it, so I couldn't stop what I was doing. Oh no, Frank! If, if y'all find it, send it to us. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I. I need to get some loyalties on that, Joe. That's what I'm
3: saying. (laughs) We need to talk about it. As soon as I heard it, man, I was like, shit, I got to talk to Sean about this. Uh, No, I I brought it up on air because that way y'all might stumble across it or something. Honestly, I was right smack in the middle of something when I heard it. But when they said the title, I really, that's what made me look around. I said, well, Sean didn't tell me one of his things had been made into a movie. So I I turned around and looked. And then when it popped, I think, you know what I think we were watching? I think we were on YouTube watching movies or shit to come or something. Um, I'll have to ask Linda which one it was. But what is that Reese No, we're gonna we're gonna reel him in slowly but surely. <laughs> no, just <teasing. laughs> y'all yep, stop, man. Y'all yep, leave the poor man alone. Yeah, he's got three wives and twelve kids. He's yeah. Y'all didn't know that. I thought I said that on the last show. Well, he don't need another wife. Three wives and twelve kids. What the hell? That means he's going to have right. like a little
2: compound in uh, in in Nevada. You nice know, <laughs> so so you know, he's going to he's going to be changing his name. To, <laughs> to, never mind, we're not going there. So <laughs> I
3: might come shoot both of us. Um, oh, okay, real quick, and we'll we'll both do this because we got a little time. So, you've watched some of the uh, hearings, right, on the Capitol Hill?
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. So, because we got a couple of questions came in, uh, what do we think about the different witnesses? Now, I haven't seen all the witnesses. I've seen. Oh, about seven, I think seven people so far uh, that had calling on. And, then I, and I've also heard a couple of the uh, legislators just talk and then uh, the people I've met personally. It's um, I don't like Greer's guy, I'm not going to lie. Everybody else I've been fairly okay with uh, except they bought the skull the other day. So I'm looking at this skull. So I got this skull right here. This is a replica of the Starchow skull. That's what that is. So... It's uh, and I met um, oh God I forgot his name how can I forget his name we were good friends too he died of cancer damn uh, anyway he was a guy who had control of the Starchild skull until he died and then the uh, people who gave it to him it took it back so that one actually had legitimate you could trace it all the way back to where it was found so and we do now know that not all the DNA was human what that means is anybody's best guess okay uh, there was a lot of flack when they did the first DNA test. Uh, And they found out that the mom was 100% human because it was found. So it was, it was roughly about this tall. It was found and look at the size of the head. Uh, It was found with the mother, but the child is DNA was the father was something else. That's what they said. It could have been some kind of mutation. You know, they, they didn't want to say alien, but they, they, it was not a normal human that created the baby. So they went as far as saying that. And then it was tested a few times other than that, and then it was found, other things were found. But never anybody came right out and said uh, that it was alien, even though it kind of sure to hell looked like one. And it kind of looked like gray. And it was also found in an area where we know that certain tribes back then worshiped the gray. So if you go through South America, it's weird. You can see where the reptilians had influence. It's not that hard to, to see. You can see where the graves had influence. You could also see where the humans had influence, so all three of the major species that have ducked on this planet all had influence in South America. It also makes me wonder why that South America and Central America is ninety eight or ninety five percent O blood. Yeah, there is no real mix down there. It's ninety five percent O. Very strange. It also makes me helps me wonder why that when they came across the land bridge, everybody went to South America and nobody went into America. Because don't forget. Mesoamerica is older than Native America. Yes, people. Why is that? Why did not we just come out and why don't we just walk along the Gulf Coast or something? You got to wonder. I mean, everybody came across the land bridge and just followed the coast all the way down. But that's not true because once they got into uh, like Mexico, they kind of fanned out and went all scattered all the way down. And then the Toltecs came around, the Aztecs came around, the Mayans came around, the Incans came around. These were fairly advanced civilizations. Uh, But there was nothing like that in America. Yeah, no, in North America, there was nothing like that. No, my friends, it was – okay, Pueblo, that might be the closest. The ones who built their homes in the side of the mountain, that might be the closest.
2: Oh, yeah, Chaco Canyon, there's some weird stuff
3: there. There's some weird stuff there. Yeah, there there is. And, And there was also a conquistador's helmet found there as well.
2: Yes. Well, there was a um, a group of remote viewers from the Defense Intelligence Agency. So, and I could tell you at least two of their names. Actually, three. So it was David Morehouse, um, Mel Riley, and why am I blanking on the third one? Um, Ed Dames was the yeah. the third one. Yeah, he was a leader. Ed Dames was. Uh, him
3: and I did several interviews together. I met him on coast to coast. Is where I met him. And the first guy you talked about, I met actually at a conference. And uh, I think it was actually, where were we, where were we, where were we? Where were we? we were in um, Ozarks is where we were. And uh, Okay, he, yeah. He was interesting. See, because I had an interest in, in, I was always a little put off by remote viewing, but I always had an interest in it because when I, when I, I remember the first time I was talking with Ed Dames, we were on Coast to Coast. I had, I had already been, I'd just been a guest on Coast, my first appearance, and I called mm-hmm. in on his show. And George Noy brought me in. He said, okay, well, you know, I like Joe. We're going to talk. And I'm sure Joe's going to have some hard-ass questions for you, which, of course, Joe had some hard-ass questions for him. And And uh, he was, he was, by the way, Ed was polite, didn't get put off by it, answered the question to his best acknowledge without ever trying to bullshit me, which I really appreciated, by the way. And after that, we kind of became, we, we got to know each other a couple of times over the years. But, but after talking to him, I realized that, it was very limited in what it could do. So in other words, they could find the ballistic missile, but they couldn't mm-hmm. take the code and the ballistic missile was. And that's no, the, no. that's why people that uh, we went to telepathy instead of remote viewing, because with telepathy, you can also find the missile, but you can also look through the guy's eyes and find the code. So that was a little bit different for us. Uh, now, who's on the other end blocking? I don't know if Russia has enough people to even block all our telepaths anymore. America is quite a big, bigger country or a much healthier country. Uh, We're more advanced in a lot of ways, but not just in technology. Believe it or not, a lot of Americans believe in telepathy. Uh, More than half did. Uh, You know, if you you listen to CNN, NBC, you would never believe that. But if you get out and do the the polls, you'll find out that more than half America believes in telepathy. And mainly because a lot of people have experienced some kind of deja vu or something else along Mm -hmm. the line. Well, telepathy like anything, people. It's in layers. I mean, you could barely have a sense or you could be quite strong. And um, I guess it has more to do with how you were raised as a child and how you let yourself open up to things. Well, because adults are told, no, bad, no, bad, you should, bad. Sean, you're a telepath. No, Sean, you're crazy. So that's the kind of shit that happens. I, I, I like. I think all of them should put to use. I think everything America has, from remote viewing to telepathy to anything else we have, should be being put to use. Oh yes, I'm a firm believer in protect my country and my family. No, I don't think we should go around blowing shit up. Sorry. Well, you know, uh, that's back. how you can prevent it from blowing yes. up. Uh, we got time for one more question. No, I see his wife back there. Like, get the hell off of the computer. She's about the wacky man. Uh, She's got to like the stealth, you know, what is that one on, on stealth? Oh, what was that stupid movie? Galaxy Quest? No, not Galaxy Quest. Is that what it was? Anyway, the Mokhtar stealth chant. There we go. Tim <laughs> Allen was a captain. I can't remember the name of it.
2: Yeah. Yes, I think it's Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Yes. It was a dumb movie, people. Don't don't ever
3: take it. It's real. It was just dumb. Uh, it was funny, but it was dumb. You got to be bored to watch it, but you do it. Um... Uh, well, well we'll we'll do that question and we'll go. So where are you from? So Randy, he is writing in from Ohio. You're not gonna tell us what city in Ohio. Well you don't have to. Um, he was wanting to, he, he was wanting you to estimate. He said you he, he ain't bringing me into this. He said he's wanting you to <laughs> estimate on how many Underground facilities may or may not be, and he's not talking about just military. He said military plus, which means military, and I guess really rich people like Elon who has his own underground transit system. I don't know. But you, this is on you,
2: Sean. Have fun. I'm drinking coffee, man. I mean, there's thousands. You know, just look at like the Denver Airport, right? Look at Cheyenne Mountain. Oh Jesus! Uh, Area 51, right? There's all sorts of facilities underground. You know, I mean, even when I was at the National Training Center, I mean, these aren't extensive at all, but we built underground tunnels using, we literally would dig a hole and stick a, one of those cargo trailers underneath yep. and then fill underneath dirt over the, it and make sure there was was air coming in. And they would use yep. that to to model tunnel systems fighting the Taliban. So, yeah, thousands, easy. Yes, and
3: uh, what do you mean? Tell what story? Oh, Man, we got to go. We got of time. Oh, oh, I don't know if I can tell the story. It's speedy mode. Okay. Me and three guys were really, really, really drunk one night. I mean, I was in I just got out of boot camp. I was in tech school in Millington, Tennessee. I was on a Navy base, a landlocked Navy base of all things. I'm in Millington, Tennessee, so we're drunk. We stumble into this field, and we got these humps all over the field, so we're drunk. We wanted to see the stars, so we're laying against this, this hump, looking at the stars when the hump goes, and it starts moving. It opens up and about a half dozen MPs come walking out of it. I was like, oh, when we, and we were actually, I didn't know they had silos there, and we didn't see no big signs that said don't come in here. Well, needless to say, they brought us underground. Yes. So when we got down there, these were connected silos. So they, And this was quite a ways down, by the way. It took us about three or four minutes to get to the bottom of the ladder. So I'm, I'm figuring three stories for maybe five stories. So we get down there, and we're walking along this tunnel, And then we get to this one and they're crisscrossing and man, you can look in any direction and not see the end of this damn thing. And uh, I still remember this. And then they fed us hamburgers, sobered us up and brought us back through another tunnel, brought us back. And we ended up in the middle of the Navy base. And they said, okay, you know what this means, right? And I said, yeah, we're never saying another effing word as long as we live. (laughs) That's what it means. We had to go in front of the captain because we were drunk, but, uh, and he told us, he said, you know, if you ever say anything, they're going to lock you underneath a jail somewhere. And I remember when they declassified it so we could talk about it. But we'd see people, you just never know. That's what I'm saying. You never, never know. But anyway, Sean, tell them where they can find. Tell them what books you got out. because we got to get out of here. No, we him we want to talk about aliens.
2: Yeah. If you're if you're watching, you can see my YouTube channel, Through a Glass Darkly with Sean. You can just type that in through the search, find it. You can find my email, my website at www.SeanPatrickCasip.com. And then I have a new book coming out called "Weird World War," Weird World War China. Um, you can pre-order it right now, um, and it's a bunch of short stories about a world war with China, with under weird, supernatural, or science fictional circumstances. So, and you can get that anywhere books are sold: Amazon, Barnes and Noble, etc.
3: Yeah, I got that, guys. Hold on, I gotta get a picture of us now. <clears throat> Oh, yeah, we do take these like this now. Oh, wait, why did it do that? I'm going to have to do this a different way. Hold on. Yeah, just send that to some strange person. We don't know who's watching. So we just send a picture to somebody. <laughs> well, who we got that picture. Consider yourself lucky. Two handsome guys on your, your thing. Okay, there we go. Um, well, Jackie, we got to go, but. No, we're talking about Sean, about getting him on the network. I got a matter of fact, when I talked to Michelle tonight, I got to remember to finish talking with her about that. And then um, we'll see from there. No, he seems to know a lot of stuff about a lot of things. Oh yeah. He'd be talking all night if I wasn't around. Um, yeah. <laughs> Stephanie, behave yourself. It's um, Oh boy. I don't even want to ask.
2: I don't even want to yeah, ask what that was. You don't,
3: trust me. You don't want to ask about that no, we gotta go. What what is what is this this question of Earth Shadow? Come on, you got like 30 seconds. Spit it out. We're already running into somebody else's time. Spit, 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 spit. Why do aliens come to Earth? Are you really serious want me to answer either one of us to answer that question? <laughs> it's impossible. Uh, no, no, that you should have answered at the beginning of the show. We could have spent half the show. Yeah, that would
2: have been the whole show,
3: Joe. Oh no, come on. The, no, I'm serious. Uh, you know, next time he's back with us, or if he's hosting on his own show, I'll come. I'll come join him one night, and we'll talk about it. Why not? Anyway, guys, we gotta go. No, we gotta go because Steph, you had a boss lady. She's mean, man. Yes. Why do you think she's the boss? I don't want no wimpy boss. I mean, do you know how many egos are on this network? <laughs> And mine ain't even the biggest. That's the scary part. <laughs> really, that's a damn scary part. We gotta go. I hope everybody enjoyed tonight. Welcome to UFO on the Cover and United Public Radio on UFO Paranormal and TV. I hope y'all and for everybody who watches on Roku, I see a couple people drop by and let me know they can see us on Roku tonight. I hope you enjoyed seeing our beautiful lovely faces on Roku. I only get sexy like this for you Roku people, actually. <laughs> anyway, good night and see y'all Friday. Lord done. Uh,